When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode four of our study on Exodus. And we left the story yesterday with Moses um, being drawn out of the water and living in Pharaoh's household with the daughter of Pharaoh. Apparently, she didn't have any children, or I don't know how that happened, but, but Moses ends up growing up in Pharaoh's household. The question you have to ask is, well, the questions I would ask are, one, do they tell Moses where he comes from? They must have, because I'm sure that the Egyptians and the Israelites looked a little bit different. I don't know how different they looked, because if you look at people in the Middle East today, they I don't I don't care if you're from Egypt or if you're from Israel or if you're from uh, you know, Iraq, Iran or whatever. All those people, to me, look very, very um Similar, maybe not identical, but similar in their structure. So you have to wonder how much Moses, from his own physique, had a different look than the Egyptians. So, the, the, but but the other thing is, you know, he, he, it's obvious that he's not. It's obvious that he's part of Pharaoh's court, but he's not a hundred percent adopted into Pharaoh's court. Let me put that. He's like an insider, and he's an outsider, and. And we'll see that as we look through the story today, because we're going to continue the story that now Moses has grown up. We don't know much about how he grew up, but he's grown up. So he's probably somewhere in the age of 14 to 18 or something like that. You know, he's probably a man now. And uh, and we're just going to see what happens. So we'll begin in Exodus chapter two, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were. And watch them at their hard labor. So he knows now that it's his own people and he's watching them at hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Man, there's just so much stuff here. <laughs> so now he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so he, we know now that there's two classes of people. There's the Egyptian class and there's the Hebrew class. The Hebrew class is the slave. We don't know how they're distinguished as slaves, whether or not it was a marking on their body or maybe it was a physical thing. When I look at um, people in Israel now, I mean, they do have a distinctive look to them. And um, I suppose you could look at it, but it's also quite possible that there could have been a mark that's placed on them that says, okay, you're a slave. Or it could have been just geographically, they're placed in different places. It's hard to be a slave if there's not something that marks you as a slave. Even if you look at um, at Nazi Germany at the time of World War II, at the rise of Hitler, they would put a mark on Israel, you know, Jews, to, to mark that they, they put the Star of David on them to say, okay, you have, you are a, a, you are an Israelite, you're a Jew. 
And that was a mark. And there has to be a mark on somebody to show that you're a slave. And somehow they had some identification. But what was Moses? Because Moses would have looked more like the Israelites than the Egyptians, and yet he grew up in Pharaoh's household. So he is truly this person that that breaks the barrier between both. He lives in both worlds, you could say. Moses, just like Jesus lives in both worlds, so does, so does Moses. And he is the one then that is going to be able to live in both of these worlds and see what's going on. Uh, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He obviously knew this was one of his own people. So he looks to the left and he looks to the right. He doesn't see anybody that's going to be upset. And so he kills the Egyptian. So the way I view this is that Moses um, sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. There must have been other Hebrews around. And so Moses goes and kills the Egyptian and hides him under the sand. But the, the, the Jews, the Israelites, see this. And somehow they remember this. So they're not feeling a lot of kinship with Moses themselves. They must see Moses as part of Pharaoh's court. They must see Moses uh, in bed with Pharaoh, that he's that when Moses comes and judges between the Israelites and the Hebrews, or the 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 Hebrews and the Egyptians, that he's going to side with the Egyptians. That's what the that's what the Hebrews feel. But Moses is torn. He doesn't know who to side with. But what the point of the whole story is is that Moses sees an injustice happening. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and it, it must have been a merciless merciless beating. If you any if you understand anything about power, the one way to keep Hebrew slaves in control. Obviously, how is it that one person, one Egyptian, there's no other Egyptians around, how is it that one Egyptian can keep 10, 20, or 30 Hebrews in control? And the answer is that when one of them goes out of control, you beat them mercilessly, maybe even to the point of death. This is how the, this is how you're taught to keep people in, in control. You, when one of them uh, gets out of control, you take whatever weapon you have and you beat them and you beat them almost to the point of death, maybe to death, but maybe you just get them to real close to death. And that way, nobody else is going to come because they don't want to beat like that. Now, the, if they all went and surrounded this Egyptian that's beating him, then they could all kill him pretty much easily. But then the repercussions of that would be severe. So now this guy, he goes out and he's with the Hebrews and he disappears. Well, his family's going to say, where is he? And of course he disappears. They're going to go and question the slaves. Well, like, what are they going to do? If they lie and say, well, we don't know what happened, then, then they're going to be in trouble. Uh, because they're lying and it could come, I mean, either way, it could come back to them, right? That That's the point. And so somehow it does get back to Pharaoh that Moses did this. So F Moses thinks he gets away with it. He kills the Egyptian, he hides him in the sand, everything's good, but all these Hebrews now, now their life is on the line and the only way that they can save their own life is by turning on Moses and saying, well, Moses killed him. 
Because the next day, the right, he goes out the next day and he sees two Hebrews fighting and he says, why are you two fighting each other? Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And there's like, well, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing us as you did the Egyptian? And then Moses is afraid and thought, what I have done has now become known. Of course, because when you kill somebody, unless that person's a hermit, you know, people are going to know that you killed that person. And they're going to they're try to figure out who, and they're going to try to have repercussions on that. So the Hebrew slaves had to have tell, told whoever's looking for them at some point that, that, that Moses did it. So Moses was afraid. When, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. I don't know how he tried to kill Moses, um, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. And he went to live in the land of Midian, where he sat down by a well. So now this is interesting. Um, he's a man now. He's done something wrong. Uh, the question is, is Moses right in what he did? There are no laws then that maybe the Egyptians had laws. Uh, but, well, that, that's a very good question. Did the Egyptians have laws that says you couldn't kill at that point? We... I would imagine there would probably be some at that point that would say you don't do that, but maybe not. But just, we know that it's wrong to kill. That's a, I mean, the thing about the Ten Commandments, and that's one of the Ten Commandments, is that it's, these are deep-seated laws that we all know between right and wrong. It's not like the Ten Commandments are, you know, the, the, these set of laws that, that half the world thinks are great and half the world thinks are not great. You know, they're not polarizing laws. If you look at the Ten Commandments, they truly are laws that resonate deeply with humanity because they're the way we were created. We know, even without Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, we know that we shouldn't kill people. That's just something that deep, we know this. It's wrong. Uh, you don't take somebody else's life. It, Although there have been cultures, the Mayan culture, the Incan cultures, where they where they try to please God by taking a life, um, so that's 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 not good. But but definitely, you're you're taking a life. Even in those cultures when they existed, they knew that taking of a life was a severe enough thing that it would appease the gods. And you're taking a life. You're doing you're doing something that's against humanity to please God. But everybody knows that taking a life is a kind of against humanity. You don't do that flippantly. Even taking a life, it's to, to appease the gods and the ink and the Mayan culture and other cultures, the Druid culture in, in England. Um, so Moses uh, hid the man in the sand and he and he kills this guy. The question is, is this is this was this right for Moses to do? Like when you see an injustice, is it right? to kill somebody from doing an injustice. And uh, that is a <laughs> that is a big question. Um, it's easy for us to say in the United States, no, you never kill anybody. That, that, that doesn't happen. You leave it to law enforcement to kill. But you have to remember that now Moses is in Pharaoh's household. He is the law. Um, first of all, he's an, he's a, he's an adopted Egyptian. And he's living in Pharaoh's household. And when you live in the kingdom, then you represent, he represents Pharaoh when he goes out into the world. And 
he represents justice when he goes out into the world. So when he kills one of his own, it creates this, this huge problem for Pharaoh because now Moses, who is in Pharaoh's court, kills an Egyptian to protect a Hebrew. And that's just not, that's not what you do in Pharaoh's court. But in the world of justice and in the world of law, who else was going to stand up for the Egypt? Who was who else was going to stand up for the Hebrew that was mercilessly being beat by the by the Egyptian? And Moses, deep down in his soul, feels like this is the right thing to do. If this continues on, if these Egyptians continue to beat down on the Hebrews, they're going to destroy them and kill them, and the, and the conditions are going to get worse. And this is just, the whole idea of slavery is wrong. That, that I think that's where Moses is. His heart is changing. He's in Pharaoh's court, and he's out there, and he's seeing all this stuff. But deep down inside, he realizes that this is wrong. That these people who are part he has a kinship with because he's blood related to them. That that at its deepest root, slavery is wrong. And we all know that at its deepest root, slavery is wrong. So how is, how is Moses going to change this? He, he decides that maybe one way he can reduce the little bit of impact in slavery is he kills this Egyptian. It's not like he could have gone to the court system and said, I think this is wrong, let's pass legislation. This is way before modern civilization. This is... This is man against man, dynasty against dynasty, slaves against Pharaoh. And deep down in, in his heart, he thinks he's going to solve the problem by killing the Egyptian. And, he, and it doesn't solve the problem. It actually creates more problems. It creates so much problems that Moses now has to flee his adopted homeland of Egypt to go somewhere else because, because now Pharaoh's after him. So we now see that that this is there's not going to be a change happen. It's not like Pharaoh said to Moses, "Why did you do this? Let's talk about it. Oh, let's free the slaves." No, Pharaoh is like, "I'm going to kill Moses because even though we've adopted him to our household, he has violated our household and our kingdom and our power over the Egyptians. And if this continues, the Egyptians may not have slaves anymore because the slaves could get smart and realize, hey, why are we working? Why is it that 100,000 slaves are working for Pharaoh? This doesn't make any sense. Let's turn on Pharaoh. Let's leave. And then there'd be bloodshed and all sorts of things. And so they, Pharaoh has no choice. He has to kill Moses. So when Pharaoh hears of this, he tries to kill Moses. But Moses flees from Pharaoh and goes to live in the land of Midian. So the question of whether or not this is justified or not, that's a, that's a very, very interesting question. It was long before one of the things that, it, that we tend to do as 21st century Americans is we take our value system and our justice system and our laws and we go way back into time and try to make or justify or evaluate what people did at that time based upon what we know about life now. But but you can't do that. You, you have to be in the mindset of a person living in that time and to say, what would I do if I was in that time? It, it would, 
And if Moses is a precursor of Jesus, if he's a type of Jesus and he kills an Egyptian, you got to almost think at some level what Moses did was justified. Like maybe Moses looked at this Egyptian beating this man and realized this Hebrew that if this is going to continue on, the Hebrew is going to die. And maybe this guy is going to kill more than one Hebrew. Like maybe he's a bad seed. There, there are people in this world who do, you know, there are slave owners, if you will. There are people who are Egyptians who just are thirsty for blood. And they're going to kill an, they're going to kill a Hebrew a day just to satisfy their own taste for blood. And maybe this is what Moses saw in this guy. And there is no justice system around that Moses, Moses can go to to rectify this problem. If this guy continues to live, that he's going to kill not only this one that he's beating up now, but maybe the next one and the next one and the next one. We don't know, right? I mean, Bible doesn't say. But if we really truly believe that Moses is a type of Jesus, then at some level, Moses is doing the right thing. Uh, and, and it's hard to believe now because we have a whole law and system of justice where we would go, down, go about this with a different way. We wouldn't just kill the guy. But Moses doesn't have that legal system available to him. And so he kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand and hopes that this will stop the bloodshed, you know, stop everything. But then he goes out the next day and he finds the Hebrews arguing. They're not doing the work they're supposed to be doing. They're arguing. And it just points out to the human condition, right? We, we, we are not good humans. At some level, we live. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, you know, the argument going on in the Vail School District right now. Um, we just, we just, we're difficult people. <laughs> we're di- you give people free will and you think that everything's rosy and wonderful, but we end up being, we, we want to turn things inward and, and try to, try to be inward focused and try to do things that, that protect ourselves. And we don't love our neighbor as we should. We don't, we just, we're just not good at this. And it's got to be hard to be God to love creation and then give them free will. And then they destroy themselves because of free will and just to see how they're destroying themselves. So then you become flesh and you come into the earth and you show them what it's like to love your neighbor, what it's like to love each other. Uh, and then when you do that, they all turn and they kill you, <laughs> you know, and then you rise again to show, no, what I was talking about is the truth. Um, and, and then leave it to us to try to figure out how we can love our neighbor as Jesus called us to do, right? Love God, love your neighbor. That's the only two commandments that he's given us. Love me, love your neighbor, that's it. You do that, the world's gonna become redeemed through through the church. Um, and I, you gotta wonder, is the world gonna become, are we going in a positive direction? Are we going in a, neg- I mean, in a negative direction? At the, end of, at the end of time, when Jesus comes again, does he come because we've destroyed ourselves or does he come because we've perfected ourselves? Or, or does he come because we're never going to do either? We're so polarized that we do both. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a question that we'll find out at the end of time when he does come again. Because he will. The trumpet shall sound, the dead shall rise, and we'll meet him in the air, and we shall be with him forever. And that's a great, that's a great time. Did Moses, did Moses do the right thing? I kind of think that given the situation that, that he was in, 
Maybe he did. And if he truly is a type of Jesus, a foretaste of Jesus, probably did the right thing. Although I don't think Jesus would have killed. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's, a, that's a very, very good question. That's one you can ponder for us today. Hey, let's, let's close in prayer. Dear God, such great questions. But what we know for sure is that you are king and that you love us and we are firmly in your kingdom. And uh, we work and serve you. Help us to do that today. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.